Thanks for inviting Mission City Church to join you wherever you are today. We've got a great message for you, so let's go ahead and get started. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here. For some reason, y'all look like you had a better night's sleep. I don't know what that might be. It's always fun, daylight savings time, just to see who showed up in the first service. You know, just who, who forgot about it. It's, it's not as interesting as it used to be when, when I was younger, before our cell phones just flipped automatically for us. Remember, you had to remember and set your clocks back and they'd tell you on the 10 o'clock news, don't forget, it's, it's fall back or whatever. And it was always fun then because people would show up at like eight o'clock for church and the doors weren't even open, the lights weren't on. You're like, oh, you forgot to set your alarm, right? So welcome. We're glad you got that extra hour. Hopefully you, uh, you took advantage of it and did didn't get all psychological and go, well, I actually have an extra hour so I can stay up an extra hour and celebrate the Astros win in the World Series, right? There you go. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. We, we definitely are excited about that. If you're a Astros fan, if you're one of those people like they're cheaters, you know, there's lots of churches in town. Um, anyway, we're glad that you're here with us. We're kicking off a new series uh, today. And before we jump into that, I, I, I want to be kind of transparent with you a little bit, share a little bit of of my history, kind of a a painful time in my past. And I want to make sure that as I do this, I want to set this up like, you know, don't make fun of me because I share this with you because I'm I'm trying to be open. Uh, But when I was a kid, uh, I had an irrational fear of the dark and monsters. The dark and monsters. I, I've, I did not like the dark. I, I had to sleep with a light in my room. Uh, the door had to be open so there were light coming into my room. And I thought there were monsters. And so what I would do every single night, every single night till I was probably five or six. My dad says till I was 12, but I think it was till I was five or six, is I would yell from my bedroom, there's no such thing as monsters. And I'd wait. Did I get any response from my parents? There's no such thing as monsters, is there? And literally, until my parents would assure me, Matt, there's no such thing as monsters, I would continue to yell that. Sometimes I think out of meanness, my dad would wait like 15 minutes. And I'm like blue in the face. There's no such thing as monsters. He finally, okay, there's no such thing as monsters, right? But what happened is I grew older as I matured, I realized I had nothing to fear. The dark, it was okay to be in the dark, and there's no such thing as monsters. Now, that's a funny story, and we can all probably look back at our past, and there's some irrational fears that that maybe we had as as we were growing up. But sociologists, as they look at our culture today, uh, say that we are the most fearful that we've ever been. That everything seems to scare us, that we're we're fearful uh, of death that we're fearful of losing our stuff. It it impacts the way that that we parent. Think about how maybe you you grew up when you were a kid, especially if you're around my age. Uh, How many of you used to ride your bikes when you were a kid? And you would ride your bikes. I, I would be like 10 miles from my house riding my bike when I was like seven years old. My mom didn't know where I was. She didn't care where I was. She wasn't worried about where I was. In the summertime, we would go out when the sun came up. At lunchtime, there'd be like a peanut butter and jelly and some Kool-Aid sitting there waiting on me. I'd come and I'd eat. I'd say, I'm alive. And I'd go back out. And I had to be in when it was dark. That's the way that we lived. We would never do that today, right? You don't even let your kids in your front yard. 
Because you have a fence in the back. Like, you can play in the backyard. Don't go out in the front yard. You don't know what might happen to you in the front yard. You have barriers around your trampolines now. Like when I was growing up, that was a rite of passage to break your arm on a trampoline. Like that was just part of it. But we're, we're fearful. Maybe we're fearful because we understand if we grew up like that, we should be dead like 20 times over. And you're like, we're not going to let that happen to my kids. But we have this, this spirit, this idea, this feeling of fear. It seems like it's, it's everywhere. So what I want to do is, is just take a, take a few weeks and look at some different areas of fear uh, that all of us probably suffer from. Now, let me give you a definition. There were some of the note sheets. When you came, if you're taking notes, you can write down this definition of fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion, belief that something or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. I'll say that one more time. Fear, an unpleasant emotion, it's a belief that something or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or is a threat. We're, we're fearful. Now, here's what's interesting. If you look at Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 7, this is what it says. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, now think about that. Just, just that one sentence, God gave us not a spirit of fear. So when we live in fear, that spirit that we have of, of being fearful about things, I'm not talking about being cautious. I'm talking about a spirit of fear that that is not a spirit from God. Where does that, that spirit come from? Well, it comes from us. Uh, you can blame it on the devil if you want, but it's, it, it's us. It, it, it's us not focusing on God and focusing on, on circumstances. Right? And so we have this, this fear, and, and fear doesn't come from God. The spirit uh, 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 of fear, what we want to do is move from a spirit of fear to a spirit of faith. And that's what we're going to do in this new series. So this morning, we're going to talk about not death or nuclear war or pandemics or going broke. Those, those are things that we're fearful of. I want us to focus on, focus on something that I think has impacted or impacts every single one of us. Matter of fact, it impacts some of you to the point it, it's crippling, and it's the fear of rejection, or what I'll call the fear of man. The fear of rejection, the fear of man. Now, just to kind of prove my point, uh, when I was in middle school, I grew up in the 80s, and if you think about the 80s, we wore some of the most atrocious things in history, and the reason we wore those things it's because of a fear of rejection. Nobody got up in the morning and said, I really want to wear parachute pants. They look cool. But we did it. We wore checkerboard shoes with fat laces that didn't match our shoes. And parachute pants are these shorts called jams that were all different colors and didn't match with the shirt. We would wear a long sleeve. This is the coolest outfit I ever wore. I thought I was the, the baddest man alive when I wore this. I had on checkerboard vans with fat laces jams, a long sleeve in Texas in the summer, polo shirt with a short sleeve polo shirt under it with the collar up with my Swatch watch and my Swatch watch guards, two colors wrapped around each other with my jelly bracelets and my perm. <laughs> Talk about fear of rejection, right? But we did all of those crazy things why we wanted to fit in. 
We want, we want people to think highly of us. We want them to think that, that we're cool. Now, we look at that, we laugh at that, whether you grew up in the 70s, 80s, you're growing up now, you're a teenager. We have this fear of rejection. We think that it's a young person thing, but the reality is it can plague us our whole lives. A lot of us have deep scars from rejection. And as adults, we, we, we laugh that, oh, you wore those funny things when you were a teenager, but we're 50, 60, 70 years old, and we still have the fear of rejection. We still have the fear of man. We still worry about what other people think of us. So, so let's just kind of dive into this. Why do we fear rejection? And again, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control. So, so why do we fear rejection? I think that the most obvious reason why is we are insecure. We're insecure, right? We, we worry about what people think about us. We fear that people will see us for who we really are. That's, that's why we fear uh, rejection. That's why we're insecure because I don't feel confident in who I am. Therefore, I don't feel confident that you're going to approve of me for who I am. So what I do, I want to portray an image that I think that you'll approve of. So whether it's wearing funny things, whether it's participating in certain things, I want to be included. I want to be popular. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved because I'm insecure. And and I, I don't feel like if you knew who I really was, that you would love me, that you would accept me. That's what social media is all about, right? It's just kind of gone to the next level because I can create on social media through pictures an image that I think you will accept or how I would like to feel about myself, who I want to be versus who I really am. That's why there's all those filters, right? I've been looking for a while on these these filters. I want to find a, a six foot four skinny guy filter, right? I haven't found it yet, but I'm like, I want to run all my pictures through that because that's how I would like to be. Not how I am, but that's how I want to portray myself. So we, we take pictures of, you know, our vacations and we have those pictures with our kids and everybody's smiling and you're at the perfect place and all of your friends look at your pictures and like, you know, why can't our family be like that? Why can't we go on this trip? Why, how come our kids aren't all happy? Well, what you don't see is everything it took to create that one picture. Like everybody was miserable, waiting for the perfect shot. I was uh, at, a, at a football game a few weeks ago and, and four college girls sat in front of us and, and they, they were just going on about how cool the seats were, where they were sitting and, and they spent the entire game taking pictures of themselves, not watching the football game, Even though they were all, oh, I can't believe where we're sitting, this is so cool. Just taking pictures of themselves. They would take a picture and then they would look at it and that one's not perfect, so we'd delete it. We'd take another picture, then let's take a picture together, then let's run it through the filters and we're gonna post it. They didn't even watch the game. But what is it? It, It's the fear of rejection. It's an insecurity. I wanna portray myself as having this great time, being in this great place when I didn't even enjoy it, I just took pictures of it to try to win your approval. Why do we fear rejection? Because we're insecure. We aren't confident of who we are. We fear that we won't be accepted. Kind of the flip side of that is we fear rejection because we crave approval. I I need you to like me. I need you to approve of me. The the praise of man justifies my value because I have an overvalued uh, view of self and I need you to agree with me. 
And so if you don't think I'm as cool as I think I am, that's rejection. I need you to approve of me. So we, we have this, this fear, this overvalued fear of self, fear of man or fear of rejection is a real thing. And it's not just something that teenagers or college girls deal with. We all deal with it. Paul dealt with it. If you look in Scripture, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul's writing uh, to the church in Galatians. Listen to what he says. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, it's interesting as you look at this passage, look at, look at what Paul says. He says, if I were still trying to please man, what does that mean? There was a time and a season in Paul's life that he lived for, worked for man's acceptance and acknowledgement, pleasing man. Think about the, the, the story of, of Paul when Paul was Saul. Paul was a Pharisee. And he was moving up the ranks. He was all about pleasing man. I need you to approve of me and affirm me so that I can move up. That's why we read in Acts that he went around arresting Christians. I want you to see the great job that I'm doing. I want you to see how zealous I am to, to go after these new followers of, of Christ. He was trying to please man and not God. And look at what he says. If I were still trying to please man... I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, I had to come to a place of surrender where my focus was not man, but my focus was Christ. In other words, who do I live for? So, so let's talk about how do we overcome the fear of rejection? A couple of things that I want us to see. First of all, uh, we need to, to fear God, not man. Fear God not man. So if you think back to the original def definition of fear, unpleasant emotion, belief that something or someone is dangerous or likely to cause a pain or threat. So when we talk about that kind of fear, we're talking about stuff, things, people. When we say fear God, we're not talking about that kind of fear. A fear of God is this sense of awe and submission to that we have. Now, some people, depending on how you grew up, maybe what kind of church you grew up in, you were taught to have a literal fear of God. Like he's just sitting up in heaven with the lightning bolt waiting to zap me when I mess up. When we talk about having a fear of God, this is not a negative thing. This is a healthy thing. This is coming to that place of awe that we understand how holy and how awesome God is. And we see our place in, in, in line with where God is. God is, is holy and I'm not and so instead of looking at God and creating a God that, that fits what I want God to be, a God that looks like me, I have a real picture of God, which is why we have God's word, to know him, to be in awe of him, to see his holiness, to see our place. Isaiah, when he was in the temple before God, who was on his throne, Isaiah was a pretty spiritual dude, pretty godly dude. It, the picture is he's in the fetal position on the ground saying, woe is me in the holiness and presence of God. We have, an have to have an understanding of who God is. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. Whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. See, there's something about having that awe, that understanding of who God is that, that helps us not to live in fear of man, fear of rejection, but to see my place, 
before God. He is a holy God. I am not. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many, even the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they didn't confess it so that, the, that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Understand again the context of that. Being put out of the synagogue wasn't like, hey, you can't come to our church anymore. Everything in life revolved around the synagogue, including commerce, the ability to do business. If you were put out of the, the synagogue, you didn't have the ability to do business anymore. So basically what this is saying is not we feared getting kicked out of church, we feared not being able to make a living anymore so we wouldn't confess God before man because they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So if we want to overcome this fear of rejection, it starts with fearing God and not fearing man. But, but let's talk about that. Who is God? If I'm going to have this healthy awe of who God is, let's talk about who is God. Now, we could take months and months and months and months of every single Sunday morning and talk about who God is. And, and we still couldn't cover it all. We don't have that much time. We're not even going to go hours and hours. We're going to take a couple of minutes just to, to give you some idea of who God is. First John chapter 1 and verse 5 says, this is the message that we heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, what is he saying? That God is good, that God is love, that God cannot lie, that, that everything that, that is good and pleasing and perfect is God, and in him there is no darkness. There, there is no other being that you can say that about, but you can about God. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 1, who's like you, O Lord, among the gods, little g, who's like you, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders, right? He's saying, listen, of all the other things that claim to be gods, all the other people who claim to have gods, little g, which of them is like you? None of them. Who's majestic in holiness, complete otherness? Who's awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? None of them. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 20, 28, haven't you known, haven't you heard the Lord is the everlasting God? He's not temporary. He's not here for a little while. The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God is not like us. Part of overcoming the fear of rejection and the fear of man is understanding who God is. That adoration, God's holiness, that alignment of our heart with who God is. I was with some men this week in a discipleship group and, and we've been talking about different aspects of, of the Christian life, prayer and worship and things like that. And, and what it comes up, up comes to basically is if, if you've ever heard that acrostic for prayer, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? And, and, and I've heard that since I was a little kid and practiced that when I'm praying. But if you really stop and, and pay attention to what's happening, that, that component of adoration more than just, dear God, thank you for being so great and then getting into all the stuff I want to tell you. Just stopping, just putting your phone away, just maybe spending some time maybe in some of the Psalms and just focusing in on who God is, being in awe of him. There's a reason that confession follows adoration. 
Because in light of the holiness of God, my sin's magnified. And I come to that place of brokenness of God in the presence of a holy God, my sin. I mean, you know, it's like a flash bulb going off, just like sin, 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 holy God. I have to confess that before holy God. What does that do? That aligns my heart, his holiness, my sin, his forgiveness, thanksgiving. God, that you would love me, that you would adopt me, that you would make me your child. And then we get to all the stuff that we want to pray about. It's an alignment of our hearts. When we come into worship, this, is, this isn't the only worship. This is corporate worship. We worship God with our lives. That's why we should begin every day. What? With, with who God is, that, that adoration, that before we come in, into this church service, that we don't come in saying, what is the church going to do for me? That we come in with that hard alignment of adoring him. So when I get to sing, man, I want to tell him how much I love him, how thankful I am. That God would, would choose me, that God would love me, that God would forgive me, that God would adopt me. It's who God is aligning our hearts. And then thinking about what God has done for us. And all of the blessings, Psalm 126.3 just kind of sums it up. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. We're going to talk about some of those things in, in just a minute. So, so we, we have to fear God, not man. And then we have to cling to who we are in Christ. This is about where our confidence, where, where our identity lies. And you think about it, we, we are all about how people perceive us. What's my title? What, what, what's my, my job? How do I dress? Where do I live? What neighborhood do I live in? What home do I live in? What cars do I drive? What kind of watch do I wear or shoes are on my feet? What kind of activities are my kids in? What kind of grades do they make? What's the perception of my marriage when people look at me and my wife? All of these things are, are about our confidence and our identity and what people think about us. It's not just some eighth grade thing that happens. It's a very adult thing. But our identity and our confidence should come from Christ. We should cling to. If you want to get over the fear of rejection... Cling to who we are in Christ Jesus. Let me give you some examples. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Just think about that. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're, you're not just a remodel. You're not just a, a better version of your old self. You're a brand new creation. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. You want to talk about your identity and confidence? Man, in Christ Jesus, I'm a brand new creation. Not the best version of the old me, a brand new creation. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Like, just think about that word that, that, that God formed us, that God built us, that God continues to form us and build us, to conform us into the likeness of his son, in the image of his son. Like, that's a big deal. Like, you weren't just an accident. Your mom and dad didn't just get together and have a kid. Like, there was some, some thought. God's like, this is, this is who, in the womb, before they're even born, this is who I'm creating them to be. They're going to have blue eyes and a funny little nose. And, and maybe, you know, some of the things that we think are negatives, they're going to turn gray when they're 30 or maybe lose their hair altogether 
All these things, like it's not an accident. God was forming us, his workmanship, not only physically but spiritually, to be the person he desires us to be. Do you understand how big a deal that is? That you're not an accident, that you're not a number, that you're not just kind of out there existing, that God knows you, knows the hairs on your head, that God loves you, that God has a plan and a purpose. You are his workmanship. You think I give a rip what anybody else thinks about me? I'm his workmanship. I'm his child. I'm his son. I'm I'm adopted, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, some of us, we think about our fear of rejection. It's not what everybody else thinks. We have a fear of rejection from God because we listen to the lie of the enemy that you're a bad person, that God could never forgive you for that, that God doesn't love you. And so we think that we've been rejected by God. Now understand, when we're not in Christ, we are, we are enemies of God because we're sinful and he's holy. But understand, God created you. His desire is for you to know his son, Jesus Christ, to have a relationship with God and, and to be accepted and to be loved and to be valued. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what God doesn't do when you're in him? He doesn't say, remember that thing you did last week. He says, no, you're forgiven. You're my child. When I look at you, I see you through the filter of the righteousness of my son. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John chapter one and verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, and that's key, right? We have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have the right to become children of God. One of the things I, I've said before to my kids when they leave is remember who you are and whose you are. Remember that name on your back, right? You're, you're Cerber. But, but Cerber's nothing. We are in the family of God. We're children of God. We're joint heirs. We're adopted. You, do you understand how amazing that is to be able to walk around, not with an arrogant pride like we did something, but a confidence in who I am? I'm a child of God. Whose kid are you, God's? Who loves you? Who values you? Who cherishes you? Who wants good things from you like every good father does? God does. And we are his children. See, some of us, again, fear being rejected by God. But when we put our faith in Christ, nothing could be further from the truth. Listen to some of the things we need to think about. Cling to who you are in Christ Jesus. We're saved, we're loved, we're cherished, we're adopted, we're heirs, we're sons and daughters, we're redeemed, we're friends of God, we're new creations, we're part of the body, we're more than conquerors, we're chosen, we're victorious, we're given joy and peace, and most importantly, assurance that when I'm in my Father's hand, nothing can take me out. Let that sink in, cling to who we are in Christ Jesus. If you wanna overcome the fear of rejection, And the fear of man, fear God and cling to who you are in Christ Jesus. And then the last thing is we have to live with an eternal perspective. We have to live with an eternal perspective, not be short-sighted. One of the conversations that that I have with my boys, uh, my older one that's in college and now my younger one as he's he's getting kind of a little older as a teenager is uh, a lot of their friends begin to make different decisions in life. Maybe different decisions than they made in eighth grade or ninth grade, different temptations come up, people make different decisions and go in different ways. And one of the things that used to frustrate my older son was he felt like he was missing out. 
He didn't want to participate, but he felt like, well, if I choose not to participate in these things, I got to stay home with you and mom on the weekend. I'm like, that's so bad, gosh, you know. But I understood what he was saying. He's like, I want to be able to do things. I want to be with my friends, but I don't want to participate in the things that they're doing. And so I have to make a choice. And it was hard for him to grasp and understand when, when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. But I'm like, Caleb, high school, so temporary. The things that you think are such a big deal right now, they're not a big deal. Matter of fact, let me, let me just prove it to you. If, if you're here this morning, and let's say you were the homecoming queen of your high school, the day you graduated, you know who gives a rip about that? Your mama. That's about it. You're captain of the football team, right? Your Uncle Rico back in 73, whatever. <laughs> Nobody cares. You were the most popular. You were this, you were that. You were the smartest. You were the valedictorian. Those are all great things, but they're temporary. We have to have an eternal perspective. Short-sightedness almost never works for my good in any area of my life. We have to have an eternal perspective. Every day I'm faced with two choices. I can live with an eternal perspective or I can live with a temporary perspective. This is moving from fear to faith. I, I choose to trust Christ. I choose to follow Christ. I choose to have an eternal perspective. You know what? My job, it's great. I appreciate it. It doesn't matter in the big picture of things. My title doesn't matter in the big picture of things. My accomplishments, my bank account, any of those things, they don't matter in the big picture of things. I live with an eternal perspective. And when I have an eternal perspective, I don't fear rejection. I don't fear man. Right, because my confidence comes from the Lord. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, John talks about this. John also wrote Revelation. If you remember back to our series, we talked about this as well. He says, don't love the world or the things in the world. Well, isn't that part of the fear of rejection? It's about the things of the world, what the world thinks about me. He said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And listen to this. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's an eternal perspective. All these things that, that we spend all of our time on this rat race trying to accomplish so somebody will think this about me, so someone will approve of me in this way, they're all passing away. But what does he say? Whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's an eternal perspective. Fanny Crosby was a great hymn writer, songwriter. She was born blind. She had an eternal perspective. Listen to what she said. She said, don't pity me for blindness, for the first face that I'll ever see will be the face of my Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? Don't pity me. It's temporary. The first face I'm ever going to see is the face of my Lord Jesus. That's an eternal perspective. See, if a fear of rejection, a fear of man means the focus is on me, Right? But the focus is, is to be on God. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul writes that I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
right? So we don't have to live the Christian life on our own. I, I love this. If we could just understand this, that the Christian life is not about you trying harder. The Christian life is, is not about, well, you know, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just going to try a little bit more. The Christian life is about surrender. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and what? He gave himself for me. So how do we overcome the fear of rejection? We live for an audience of one. We live with eternity in our hearts. We keep our eyes and our affections on him. And when we do this, we know who we are in Christ Jesus. I'm loved, I'm adopted, I'm chosen, I'm forgiven, I'm a new creation. We know where our confidence comes from, our value comes from who we are in Jesus Christ and not in what other people think, but who my heavenly Father says that I am. I wanna close with this verse to you. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23 says this, listen. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has its rest in him is satisfied, and he will not be visited by harm. Think about that. Whoever fears the Lord, it leads to life that we can rest in him and be satisfied. I'm not running the rat race. I'm not trying to do things to win the approval of man. I have a fear in the Lord. My confidence comes from him. And he says what? It leads to life. I have rest and I'm satisfied. See, that's what God wants for his children today. For us to have an eternal perspective, for our confidence to be in him, for our trust to be in him and who he says that we are. My value is not from you. My value is from him and who he says that I am. That comes from, that starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. For some of us here this morning, maybe, maybe you're a good person. Maybe you, you come to church, that's why you're here this morning, and you, you try to go, do good things, but, but ultimately that's, what, that's not what gives us a relationship with Jesus Christ. What is a relationship with Jesus Christ? A relationship with Jesus Christ is coming to that place in my life that I recognize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. We come to that place and we recognize that God in His holiness, remember He's holy, we're in awe of Him, showed His love for us while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. That God loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave us where we were, but God wants to show us something better through his son, Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus do? He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again, proving that he was God so that we could understand that that we can have life and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. This hope that we have in Christ, this confidence we have comes through Christ. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. In just a minute, we're going to come into a time of response, and there's going to be some people in the back by our response banners, and they would love to take God's word and share with you this morning how you can be forgiven, how you can find your purpose and hope, how you can have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for that. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you want to save us, that you showed us your love, that you sent your son to die for us. God, I thank you that, that our confidence, that our, that our hope, that our trust, that our identity, God, it, it comes from you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to rest in you, that our value would come from you, not, not in worrying about what other people think, what other people say, 
But God, we would have an eternal perspective that this place is not our home, that these things we can't take with us. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for the confidence that we can have in Christ and through Christ. We love you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. At Mission City Church, we love people and love how the good news of Jesus transforms lives and we want to see it more every day. Stop by missioncity.church to check out what we are up to that you can be a part of. It is also where you can share a gift to support the ministries of Mission City in San Antonio. Be blessed. Till next time.